By downloading or listening to this podcast, you are agreeing to Moody's legal terms and conditions found at moody's.com slash disclaimer, including that the information provided is not investment or financial advice, and that Moody's will not be liable for losses arising from your use of the information. Credit ratings are ordinal. Uh, that means they don't tell us anything in an absolute sense, but they show us how one business or one country compares to another one. Uh, at the bottom of our rating scale, we have the very weakest debt issuers, and those are the ones that are most at risk of default, or frankly, probably already in default. But at the other end of the spectrum, at the top of our rating scale, we have AAA issuers, and, and those are the countries, the businesses, that we believe are the most likely in the world to meet their financial commitments. So whenever we take a rating action on a AAA credit, it's it's a pretty big deal. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm Colin Ellis. I'm part of the credit strategy team at Moody's. Uh, and I'm delighted to be joined by Bill Foster, uh, a senior vice president in our sovereign risk group, to talk about our recent rating action for the US. This is also a great chance to turn the tables because Bill is a regular host of The Big Picture, so I get to put him in the hot seat uh, this time around. Bill, thank you very much for joining me. It's fun to be here, Colin, and, and I like the tables have turned. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. Right. Let, let's start with the basics. So what have we just done uh, for the US? Well, we affirmed the AAA rating, which is the highest rating uh, we can have for any issuer, uh, including sovereigns. Uh, but we changed the outlook on the rating to negative from stable. And what, what does that mean in terms of the outlook? What, what are we trying to signal there? That means that there are increased risks now uh, skewed to the downside that the rating could be downgraded from AAA to, to AA1 over you know a period of one to two years, effectively. Okay, so we're kind of signaling, uh, we see a few more reasons to be concerned. But again, as you just said there, we're talking about AAA versus AA1. So it's it's would be a small rating move if, if it happened, and we don't know if it will. Yes, in terms of the rating scale, it would be one notch, small, uh, but obviously significant in the sense that the US is at the highest rating level possible. It's the benchmark for ultimately um, you know, credit risk in many ways across the uh, debt markets. So it would be meaningful if, if it were to change. Okay, okay. And, and, and why have we done this now? I mean, the US has been AAA- I think for as long as we've had a US rating. So why have we put this negative outlook in place now? So the last rating action we had in the US was in June of 2022. And what's changed since then uh, to move us toward a negative outlook has largely been, you know, first and foremost, a structural shift uh, to in, in interest rates that is significantly higher than what we had prior to the pandemic. As a result of that, we expect bond yields for the US or the, the terminal rate or the, the rate we think that the 10-year treasury borrowing rate is going to settle it over the long term to be around 4%, which is materially higher than what, what it was prior to the pandemic. That will flow through into higher interest rate costs for, for the US. And that's going to pressure fiscal deficits moving forward. And we think without policy action on the fiscal front, we will see the strength of the US fiscal position or just the uh, ability to to carry higher levels of debt have a more meaningful impact on on the credit profile if it's not addressed. And one of the concerns that we have now that we didn't have uh, as much in, in June of 2022 is that given the increased political polarization that we're seeing in Washington, 
uh, with things like the debt limit and um, the concerns around electing House Speaker, that may make it more challenging to build consensus around a fiscal policy response that will slow the decline in fiscal strength. Okay. Okay. So, so to, is it fair to summarize that as, you know, when we look at policy at the moment, when we look at how deficits and debt in the US are going to unfold, they look a bit unsustainable. And we're also worried about whether there will be political agreement to take action on them. Is that a fair summary? So I, I, we need to be, I think, cautious about the word sustainable because that means different things to many different people. Um, in terms of the US, we believe the fiscal situation is sustainable. Uh, it has the, you know, the one of the, the reasons that we affirm the AAA rating are really point to that. Number one, it has the the most, uh, the largest economy in the world and extremely resilient to shocks. It's the only country that we provide a AAA rating to the economic strength assessment specifically. Uh, right. It really stands out. That allows it to carry a much higher level of debt. It also has the reserve currency choice globally with the dollar, has 58% of, of global reserves, central bank reserves allocated to it, and the deepest, most liquid bond market in the world. Those three things provide significant support to the ability for the US to carry higher levels of debt. But in terms of sustainability, yes, we think it's sustainable, but the metrics are, are getting increasingly weaker because of interest rates and debt affordability that's that's getting uh, that's declining because that's going to flow through on an annual basis moving forward into higher deficits. Okay. Okay. I mean, one of the things you mentioned there was, you know, the, the role of the dollar, which is, you know, the global kind of reserve currency. And I think one of the things we've said is that role that the dollar plays, um, you know, kind of buys it some extra space or extra strength in terms of being able to kind of carry debt going forwards. Do, do you have a sense of kind of how important that is? It's very important in, in terms of a key strength that supports that AAA rating that we currently have for the US, because unlike most other countries, the US has a tremendous access to global markets to finance deficits. Uh, because the dollar is, uh, is such an important reserve currency globally, and people treat dollars or treasury bonds like, like cash. They're highly liquid. They're a safe haven for global investors to in times of risk. Uh, and that provides the U.S. tremendous capacity to fund deficits. That flows through in terms of how we assess you know, the concept of debt affordability, which is really just to say the cost of borrowing. And we measure that by interest payments to revenue or interest payments to GDP. That's very low for the U.S. historically, uh, because uh, largely because of the the privilege it has with, with the dollar being such a important currency globally and held by so many people. Okay. Okay. Great. I mean, I mean, you, you just talked about uh, interest payments to revenue and interest payments to GDP there, and I, I think those are one of the fiscal metrics that we look at that you that you talked about before. Um, one of the things that I think we sometimes do is, in terms of the balance we put on looking at, say, the flows, which is the interest payment relative to revenue or growth versus the stocks, you know, the total outstanding amount of debt. Sometimes the balance between that flow and that stock concept is a bit different depending on whether we're looking at different countries. Can you just explain some of the thinking behind that a bit? Sure. I think the important thing to, to point out for the US is that the on a flow basis, annual deficits are, we expect them to continue to widen from around 6% this year to over the course of 10 years, the by 2033, we expect it to widen to about 8% if policies don't change. Right. And 
from a stock perspective, what that would mean for the debt levels, the debt to GDP, we would expect it to rise from around 96% for debt held by the public to about 120% over that period of time. And, and when you look at kind of other highly rated sovereigns, you know, the kind of triple A's, double A ones maybe around the world, have you found any others that have kind of a similar outlook in terms of this pressure on, uh, you know, interest payments taking up a lot more revenues or debt rising that fast? Or is the US a bit unique? So all countries globally obviously have experienced the same interest rate shock that, that we've seen, uh, that we're experiencing in, in the US, or the US sovereign is, is experiencing through the Federal Reserve policy and kind of the global, but the global rates environment has shifted significantly. So all countries are experiencing that high level rate, but the exposure to that varies significantly because of the the different fiscal positions, the the, the levels of deficits run every year and the, and the debt levels and the maturity of those debt profiles. So the the timing of when they would need to roll over or renew uh, their borrowing because of the profile of the maturities. In the US, that's shorter. Right. Uh, the US tends to borrow on the shorter end, five to six years. Uh, it uses the short end of the curve significantly as a shock absorber for bills. Whereas in many other countries, it's, it's, it's a, a, a longer maturity. Uh, often we see in the advanced economies seven years or longer. Okay. Uh, and so these higher rates are going to flow through to the US sooner. But when you look at the, the universe of sovereigns that we cover, just over 140 or so of the advanced economies, we expect next year, for example, uh, interest payments to revenue to be around 4% of GDP for, for those countries. But for the US, we're expecting, uh, you know, we've already seen a significant increase from what was below 10% in, in 2022 to around 15% now. Right. So by comparison, that's quite a difference. Okay, so the U.S. is feeling it first and feeling it more so far. That's that's great. Maybe just a final question from me, because you know when you were talking about deficits getting bigger and debt to GDP increasing, you made the point that that was without any policy action. You know that was without any fiscal tightening to lower the amount of ongoing borrowing and you know hopefully reduce the debt dynamics. You talked already about um, you know the political polarization in the U.S. You know when I look at what's going on as an uninformed observer in the UK. I, I struggle to think of a time when US politics has been as polarised as it is right now, particularly if we see a rerun of the last presidential election between Trump and Biden. Is there genuine hope for some kind of bipartisan focus on taking those policy measures, taking that fiscal policy action to address deficits and debt? Or is it going to be difficult to see that? We think it's going to be difficult because the polarization has become so entrenched in the U.S. political system, but there's plenty of opportunity uh, and it, it's become increasingly more of a focus among policymakers on both sides of the aisle, among Democrats and Republicans. And so that's a really important signal that over time, hopefully this will be addressed. And there's ample opportunity on the revenue side. The U.S. has quite low revenues relative to GDP compared to most advanced economies. So there's ample opportunity to, to raise those revenues through policy changes and things like entitlement reform to the structural spending, mandatory spending in the U.S. for things like Social Security and, and healthcare related aging, uh, retirement related spending. Those things can be reformed and have a meaningful impact on deficits over the longer term that would help slow or ultimately try to offset this decline in fiscal strength that we're going to see in, in narrow deficits. We've seen very recently some measures by congressmen, both in the Senate and in the House of Representatives, that are focused on trying to 
basically form a fiscal commission of some sort of bipartisan body that would focus on these issues and try to create some recommendations that could reach consensus. So steps like that are certainly moving in the right direction. Politically, it will be difficult, but we, we're paying close attention to that. And we think there is opportunity for some kind of policies to be realized. That's encouraging. Bill, thank you very much for joining today and sharing your insights about our US rating action. That's all for this episode. Please join us again on Moody's Talks, The Big Picture. Thanks for listening to this Moody's Talks podcast. To find out more about the topics discussed, please follow the links in the show notes. You can check out other Moody's Talks podcasts by visiting moody's.com slash podcasts.